0: well as tim mentioned my name is jarrett and i'm so stoked to be here with each and every one of you tonight as we open god's word and we continue this epic series in ephesians right how good has this series been like actually it has been so good and look i said this this morning but tori you weren't here i just wanted to thank you tim and tori for leading us in such passion and zeal into the word of god but with such intensity it's just caused us and i'm sure i speak on behalf of everyone, but just so hungry and thirsty for more of Jesus. So I thank you for your leadership. Thank you, guys. Thank you. Well, guys, I'm especially stoked this morning because this morning, gosh, so this evening, um, two time around. Goodness me, um, because we're going to take a deep dive into the doctrine of the Holy Spirit. And how awesome is this? Because Tim's actually given me three hours to do so. So I hope you're around all night. Honestly, it's going to take all night. <laughs> Well, I don't know about you, but the doctrine of the Holy Spirit is quite confusing. It's kind of like when I invested in crypto with Dan. I'm like, what have I doing? <laughs> Had to drop my mind. But it's so confusing because on one hand, the Bible speaks so clearly to these momentous occasions with the Holy Spirit. You know, where the Holy Spirit shows up and then and we see tongues and healing and prophetic ministry or oh, Tim Gio rolling on the floor like a three year old. Now I'm slamming you tonight, sorry. Um, but on the other hand, we see that the Holy Spirit is presented in the Bible as doing this ongoing transformational work in us as we journey in relationship with Jesus. And so these are the very dynamics that we're gonna unpack here tonight with Ephesians 5, 18 through 21. But before I get into the text, I just want to lay out a bit of a recap of where we're at in Ephesians. So from chapters 1 through 4, we saw this revolutionary story of Jesus' death, his burial, and his resurrection. I mean, life-changing stuff, right? But from chapters 4 until now, we've seen how our lives are dramatically and radically changed as a result of that story. It's absolutely remarkable, the gospel story, when you actually think about it, right? But Ephesians doesn't stop there because it goes into so much detail on who the Holy Spirit is to you as well as what he is doing in and through your life as you journey in relationship. I mean, listen to this. Like Adam Archerstrap preached in the first couple of weeks the Holy Spirit is the past, present and future realisation of God's kingdom. Tim presented that the Holy Spirit is the apocalypsis revelation, which is that wisdom and understanding to know Christ better. Tim also showed us that the Holy Spirit is the power, or dunamis, which is that dynamite of God that strengthens your inner man, that gives you the capacity, ability, and authority to live a godly life. And we've also seen Tori do an incredible job present that the Holy Spirit is the one who enables us to put on the new man created in righteousness and holiness. And so I'm not sure if you guys are aware, but there's this beautiful theme that's playing out through the book of Ephesians, which points to this single reality, and that is this, that all truly Christian behavior and life is a result of the Spirit of God, oh, God. living by the Spirit, walking by the Spirit, and as we're going to see today, being filled with the Holy Spirit, okay? So why don't we open up Ephesians 5, 18 through 21, and we've got it up on screen, but Hope so you have your Bibles because what we're going to do is, I just want to ask you a question to kick us off tonight, which I pray challenges you as we unpack these scriptures. And it's this that Are we personally and corporately as a church desperate to be filled with the Holy Spirit? I'll leave that with you as we unpack these scriptures tonight. All right, Ephesians 5 18 through 21. Here we go. And do not get drunk with wine, for that is debauchery. Or as other versions say, for that will ruin your life. Pretty explicit. But be filled with the Spirit, addressing one another in psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs, singing and making melody to the Lord with your heart, giving thanks always and for everything to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. I mean, classic Paul, right? He loves to string together these long-winded sentences which is just so jam-packed with Revelation, like so jam-packed. And we've seen this many times through the book of Ephesians. And that is exactly why tonight I want to unpack this in detail, just so we can see the power of it for your life, okay? But as we get into it, I just want to set the context and the tone, because back in chapter 4, Tim presented how Paul was actually laying out this list of um, exhortations and imperatives of how we are to live in light of what he presented in chapters 1 through 4. I mean, listen to these exhortations. In chapter 4.22, to put on the new self. uh, Chapter 4.25, to put off falsehood and speak truth. We see to not grieve the Holy Spirit. Or in chapter 5, to be imitators of God. To throw off sin. To walk as children of the light that produce spiritual fruit. Chapter 5.15, to look carefully how you walk, not as unwise, but wise. And chapter 5.17, to not be foolish or act thoughtlessly, but to understand what the will of the Lord is. So we must see what Paul is doing here is he's actually bringing to conclusion this long list of exhortations by urging us and the Ephesians church to be so filled with the Holy Spirit. But this is what I missed for years of my life seeking God, right? What he is saying here is he's not just bolting on, be filled with the Spirit onto this long list of exhortations. He's actually saying that being filled with the Spirit is the very key to which all the preceding imperatives are filled. And that is why this is so powerful for your life and we're going to unpack this in three points tonight. We're going to see what being filled with the Spirit is, just so we're absolutely clear. Okay, We're going to see how we're filled with the Spirit, and we're going to see what the effects or the implications to us personally and this congregation are of being filled with the Spirit. So are you with me, church? Yeah. We making sense? We all good? Sweet. Two of us. <laughs> <laughs> well, let's start at one What is being filled with the Spirit? Now, come on a quick journey with me to, to really understand this, okay? So how many of you know that as human beings, we are made up of three components, We're made up, biblically speaking, of a spirit, a soul, and a body. Interesting, eh? of of what we're actually made up of. Like, biblically, the spirit is the core of our being, which comes into contact with the Holy Spirit when we give our lives to Jesus. Our soul is is our mind, our will, and emotions, as you see there, which is another immaterial part of our being, which governs our thoughts, our desires, our passions, our interests, our intellect, etc., And our body, as you know, which is what interacts through our five senses with the world. But how many of you know as well that God hates sin so much? Because sin actually destroys and messes with our spirits, souls, and bodies. But that church is exactly why the gospel is the best story you will ever hear for the, the entirety of your life. I guarantee it. Because the gospel actually deals with sin in your spirit, in your souls, and in your bodies. Is that not the best mm-hmm. news? Right? It's destructive effects. So what we have to see is to understand what being filled with the spirit is, I first want to lay out this foundation upon which Paul writes this verse, okay, by showing you just how the spirit of God and the gospel interact with these three aspects of our life. So I quickly <laughs> boiled the gospel down into two quick revelations just to make this abundantly clear, okay? So, Revelation number one is that in Romans, Jesus saves and severs your spirit from the fall of men. Right. So, he destroys the power and penalty of sin, which causes you to get born again through his death, burial, and resurrection, right? This is the gospel story. But what happens in that process is God deposits his Holy Spirit in you, which restores your spirit and renews and makes you spiritually alive, Okay? So in in this process, you are justified, you are made righteous spiritually, and so you are seated at the right hand of of God in Christ Jesus. But listen for a second, this is super interesting, because in that moment of being born again, you still have a soul, right? You still have your mind, will, and emotions. So what happens to those when we get born again? What I'm saying is that there could potentially be patterns of sin that still exist in your life, right? Now, don't get me wrong in saying that Jesus doesn't radically change your life when you give your life to him, but there is still potential for that to exist, okay? But that is where the second revelation of the Gospel is so critical for us to see tonight, because that is what is so linked with this verse, but it is that Jesus sustains and applies our salvation, through the transformational work of the Holy Spirit in your souls. That is your mind, will and emotions. Do you see the connection now? It's so cool. Because in 1 Thessalonians 5.23, it actually says that God will sanctify us completely. That our whole spirit, soul and body would be kept blameless at the coming of our Lord. So that is what is being fulfilled here. And that process is called sanctification. I'm sure many of you know that term, you've heard of it before. But what sanctification causes is God breaks the patterns of sin, so now the power, the penalty, and the patterns of sin are dealt with. His kingdom advances in and through your life. And ultimately, you come to look, think, and behave and become more like Jesus. And that is the goal of the gospel. Not in stature, but in character. Okay? Okay. Does that make sense, everyone? You with me? Fine, cool. So, I mean, some of you probably think right now, like, well, what is he talking about? Like, how on earth does the gospel revelation there link with this being filled with the Spirit? Well, let me show you because Paul is speaking to the Ephesians church. So, he's speaking to Christians. So, the past reality of salvation and receiving the Holy Spirit was clearly already established. So therefore, we deduce that what Paul is actually saying by be filled with the Spirit is he's making that connection to the second gospel revelation that I showed you, which was to be sanctified and transformed internally in your souls by the work of the Spirit. I don't know about you, but that changed the way I read the Bible, like actually seeing what God was doing in my life. It made more sense. It was more clear to me now. But let me go one step further and prove it to you even more that Paul is making that connection by just quickly looking at the Greek. And Tori, if you look to the next slide, we've got two words. We've got the word filled, which is be filled with the Spirit, so that action word. And I want to make the connection to the sanctification word that I said before. So as many of you might know, but the word filled in Greek is plural, and this means to diffuse throughout one's soul, to take possession of it, Renew every part. So if you read this verse in like that substitution there, Paul is actually saying, do not be drunk with wine, but allow the Holy Spirit to permeate through your soul, to take possession of it and renew every part. Do you see that connection? And that now makes so much more sense to me when I read verses like the yeast, you know, permeating through the dough. Jesus' analogy it makes a lot more sense. But check this out, because the word sanctification in Greek is hagiasmos. Definitely butchered the pronunciation of that. But it is to be purified internally by the renewing of your soul, so that you become more like Jesus in righteousness, holiness, and conduct. So, church, do you see the connection? Do you see what Paul is clearly saying here? He's not saying receive the Spirit when he says be filled with the Spirit. He's clearly saying be filled with the Spirit, which is to be sanctified and transformed by the Spirit as a constant way of life as you live in relationship with Jesus. And what happens in this process is the Spirit renews and transforms your mind To give you that capacity and ability to live out spiritual truths. He also transforms and renews your emotions, your passions, and your desires. So that you can abstain from the passions of the flesh. And abstain from sinful practice. And he also transforms and renews your wills. So that it ultimately comes into alignment with the will of the fathers. Do you see that? Do you see what's going on church? And so like through the process of sanctification, like God is realigning your life into its authentic design, which is simply to look more like Jesus. And that is where the fruits that govern Jesus' life are the fruits that characterize your life. Because I mean, the Bible is very clear, this gives God the ultimate glory. And it is the ultimate sense of life itself. Jesus says that he's come to give life and life to the full. And that is made possible through this transforming work of the Holy Spirit Church. So are we clear on what being filled with the Spirit is? Everyone? Yeah? Nods? Yeah? Yeah? Sweet. Okay. Well, I want to move on to how we're filled with the Spirit. Because I don't want it to just sit as theory in our brains. It needs to drop into our hearts. It needs to become living truth. So what I've done is I've broken the New Testament down into four ways that it speaks of how we're filled with the Holy Spirit. So let's dive in. How do we fill with the Spirit? Number one is getting His Word daily. Now we see this through the entire New Testament. But Paul is making a really interesting connection to Colossians 3.16 here. Which I can encourage you to read Colossians 3. It's almost a spitting image of Ephesians 5. It's phenomenal. But there's these little differences. Because Colossians 3.16 says, Let the word of Christ dwell within you richly as you t- teach and admonish one another in all wisdom, singing psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. Huh, that's pretty interesting because the Spirit causes us to sing psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. But the word of Christ has the same effect. And that leads us to therefore... See that the Spirit and the Word are so intrinsically linked that he takes the truth concerning Christ in his Word, the Holy Spirit, and implants it in your soul and transforms and renews your life with it. Jesus said in John seventeen and seventeen, Sanctify them by your truth. Your Word is truth. Yeah. And who sanctifies? As we found out, it's the Holy Spirit. And that leads to how to be filled with the Spirit number two which is active surrender to the Holy Spirit. Now, I shared this morning that I've so easily abused that word, surrender. Oh, Jesus, I surrender my life to you. I give you everything. And then I walk over here and I deal crypto or something, you know? Like, (laughs) clearly not God's will. (laughs) But but what I'm doing here is... (laughs) Sorry, guys. Had to be said. But what is happening here is what I mean by surrender is I clearly mean to be under the influence, the guidance, and the dynamic of the Holy Spirit in every aspect of your life, and ultimately saying yes and amen to his refining, his sanctifying work. Oh, that changed my life when I had this revelation of this church, because it gets easier and easier as you walk in relationship with Jesus. Easier and easier. You grow in confidence and sensitivity in hearing his voice, and you simply obey his leadership because it is the best leadership you will ever get. And that leads to how do we feel with the spirit number three, which is to put on the new self. Now, Tori again did an exceptional job a few weeks ago when she, when she gave this analogy of like throwing off sinful practice like a cloak and putting on the new man created in true righteousness and holiness. I mean, this was back in Ephesians 4. So metaphorically, it is putting on this new cloak. But the key here is our task is not to weave the cloak. It is to wear the cloak. Okay, It's to wear the new clothing. God's got this walk-in wardrobe for us, which is just new clothing, which represents new characteristics, new thought processes for us to receive and put on through the power of the Holy Spirit. So that's metaphorically, but practically it's walking in constant connection with the Word of God and allowing the Holy Spirit to take that and transform your life with it. And finally, how to be filled with number with the Spirit, number four, sorry, is behold his glory. Now, I've read this verse, 2 Corinthians 3:18, so many times, and it's never fully stuck until now. But let me read it to you. It says, We with unveiled faces behold the glory of the Lord, are being transformed from one image of in, sorry, into the image of Christ in one glory. another for this comes from the lord who is the spirit and interestingly in the greek the word glory actually means characteristics of god so from one characteristic of god to the other characteristic of god which is phenomenal but this is what paul is saying you become what you behold so as you behold the glory and the majesty of christ You can't help but be transformed into the same image through the filling of the Holy Spirit because the fruits of the Spirit that govern Jesus' life are the fruits of the Spirit that come to govern your life, church. Go read Galatians 5.25. It'll wreck you. It'll change your life, I promise you. But now, some of you are probably sitting there thinking, man, here we go again. Another list of requirements, another list of how-to's, Another list of imperatives that, of how I am to be a Christian or be filled with the Spirit. Well, church, this is where I made the fatal mistake for so many years of my life as a Christian, where I was so caught in this legalistic mindset, this legalistic mentality. Because these how-tos that the Bible speaks of are not another hard set of laws, requirements, regulations that you need to tick off in your own strength and in your own flesh to earn the favour of God, okay? Tim, a couple of weeks back, had an incredible saying. He said, it's not because God has, now you must, in a legalistic way. It is now that God has, you can, through the empowerment of the Holy Spirit. And that really changed my life. And so on the back of presenting these how-tos, I just want to make it abundantly clear, church, of who is doing the work in you. But also what that work in you causes you to do. So hear me loud and clear when I say this. Loud and clear. But you are not the one working to be filled with the Holy Spirit. Because you are saved and sanctified by God the Father, in God the Son, and through God the Spirit. It is always and will always be God working in and through your life, okay? But don't miss the transaction. In Philippians, it says that as God works in us, as He fills us with His Spirit, this causes us to actually in turn respond by saying, God, I want to work for your glory. I want to work for your will. I want to work so that your name is known across the earth. So there is a transaction that happens. So, as you're being filled, the Spirit is causing this ever-deepening faith and trust in the name of Jesus. But simultaneously, He's causing this ever-increasing delight in His will and in His word and in His ways. Is that not good, church? Like, this is just what the Bible says. Like, it's so, so good. So, so, so no longer can we read these how-tos or those imperatives that Tim preached on. As this work fueled by the flesh for the favour of God, it's actually work fueled by the Spirit and by faith for the glory of God. And that will change the entire way you read the Bible now, because it's God working in you. But that transaction causes you to want more of the filling of the Spirit, more of His Word, more of His presence, more of His glory. Oh, it's so good, church. And that finally leads me to the effects of a Spirit-filled life, point three. We've seen what being filled with the Spirit is. We've seen how we're filled with the Spirit. But we, I can't help but show you what Paul says for the effects of a Spirit-filled life. Let's just quickly dive back into the verse quickly. It says, Do not be drunk with wine, for that is debauchery, but be filled with the Spirit. And here we go. Addressing one another in psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs singing and making melody to the Lord with your heart, giving thanks always and for everything to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. So it is you see where Paul is actually building the ultimate imperatives in these words, and it's twofold. That on one level, we personally are so filled with the Spirit that we come to know God in his fullness, and that we reflect this in the way that we worship and thank God. But on the second level, it's that we corporately, as a body of believers, are so full of the Spirit that our church, our worship, and our relationships give full evidence of the work of the Spirit in this place. And I don't know about you, but I want that for this church. Because look at verse 19. It says, be filled with the Spirit, addressing one another with psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs, singing and making melody to the Lord with your heart. So do you see the two dimensions here? Worship and being filled with the Spirit is two-dimensional, and that's the genius of Paul here. On the personal level, as we are filled with the Spirit, this causes us to worship and thank God for all that He has done, all that He is doing, and all that He will do in and through your life. And this causes us to respond with psalms and hymns, as it says, which simply in the Greek are praises to God. But also... It says spiritual songs. And what's that? Other versions say spontaneous songs of the Spirit. So this is where our hearts are so alive by what God is doing in and through us that we cannot help but respond with thanks, with worship, with praise, and with adoration. And I mean, this is what the Bible says gives God glory, right? So think about this for a second. If that is giving God glory on a personal level, could you imagine, church, what happens when a collection of people being so filled with the Spirit come together and, yes, no, and worship God? Thank you, Jesus. <laughs> Can you imagine what happens when a collection of people come together so full of the Spirit to worship God? But this is where Paul gives the corporate dimension of what worship looks like as a result of being filled with the Spirit. See, look, in verse 19, it says that we speak and sing to one another with psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. I mean, what the heck does that mean? But in other versions, it says, teach and admonish one another with psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. So both of these beautiful expressions of worship, where as we worship like tonight, we actually teach one another. We instill doctrine. We impart truth. We impart revelation. I mean, Kat, on worship night, She had this tagline that she started singing, and it brought so much revelation about the grace of God. I mean, I was really, really blown away. I went home and I looked through the Word, and I was like, God, your grace is so good. And that's an example of where we're taught. But on another level, we we admonish one another, which means when we worship, we actually edify each other in the process. That is what Paul is saying. I mean, you may not realise it, but that is actually happening every Sunday, every life group, every worship night. I mean, I don't know about you, but that sets me on fire, because it's not just about this personal worship, it's about this collection of people coming together, so filled with the Spirit. And this is what God is actually doing across the earth. He's causing a church to be so full of the Spirit, to come together, and to rise up to become a holy temple, through which His kingdom comes and his will is done. Man, so I don't know about you, but that sets a fire seriously in my heart to say, God, I want to be filled with your spirit for your glory. I want to be filled with your spirit so that every aspect of my life gives you glory. And as I wrap up, church, um, thanks so much for listening, but as I wrap up, I'll get the worship band back up. And I'll just loop back to that question I asked, right? Church, are you... And are we, so desperate to be filled with the Holy Spirit. Because if, as I've presented, the Spirit actually changes and transforms everything about your life. and he brings the best and the greatest fulfillment of life. But in doing so, he changes, transforms and brings life to this community. And let me tell you my life, this church goodness there is so much life in this place so much hunger for the spirit of God in this place and to me that gives full evidence of the spirit's work in and through your lives so why don't we just come together and worship and we're going to do some ministry after this worship I think Tim and Tori are going to leave us but I don't know about you but I implore you to be filled with the Holy Spirit thank you guys